This week on the show, Tom with his quick socks. Alright. With the socks in shot? Not sure, I'll give them a quick Stretch flash. Leg, yeah. There we yeah, go. Yeah. There we go. Out the way, boy. Uh, Professor Mike. Good morning. Laura Nutley. Yeah. Me. <laughs> no, I'm that. no one ever introduces you. You don't, you're just like, oh. I'm here. Yeah. He's the host, isn't he? He's the host yeah. with the well, all right, we're back for some more um, shenanigans on the North Legion's podcast. <laughs> nice. Um, I'll be honest, I didn't bring a topic today. Who needs topics when we have the topic master? <laughs> yeah, although topic master. Apparently, <laughs> you've got a topic. It's well. not a topic; it's a question. Oh, okay. What have you got? Anything? Um, maybe. Okay. Depends what. We're so secretive at well, the yeah, moment. Well, you mean Yesterday, she wasn't spilling any beans about the uh, book stuff, was she? Because yeah, I was like, guarded. I felt like we were going to go into a big the therapy session, and it was a bit weird, wasn't it? How's everyone's training been this week? Good. So far, so good. Um, what I hit? Sparring rounds Monday, yesterday, and a little bit of lifting each day. Nice. Class has been busy, mm. which is good. Have you found it? Good. Good. Um, body's screaming now, like. Mm. To, you know, and that's, I just said that off air there, probably, you know, reminds me of probably what someone who starts jiu-jitsu feels like yes. when your hands are aching and uh-huh. your, your ligaments are screaming and you're walking downstairs and every eccentric movement, you're like, oh! It's just like, that, yeah. That's happening to me at the moment. Like, over the last, you know, five years of jiu-jitsu, like, my knuckles never really have hurt much, but now, like, now they're starting to really, like, hurt and swell. But I'm not sure if it's because oh, we're doing, like... Yeah. Oh, right. Says you. <laughs> uh, um, we're doing like a lot more stand up training where like mm. I feel like I'm more focused on the grips, mm. whereas like on the floor I almost avoid gripping too hard just to oh, yeah. save my hands. The other thing I think that'll be as well is that everyone in, in something that you don't everyone's levels increasing. Mm. So you grip you have to grip more, you have to yeah. grip harder, you have to mm. be more dominant with your grips and it's something that you can't it's not a metric you can see, mm. but you'll just feel that wow, I feel a bit more tired today yeah and do you think as well with people leveling up do you think people are more focused on grip breaking so there's more yeah, snapping having probably, to grab yeah. okay you just have to be more accurate and positive with your gripping because if you lose the grip fight you lose the match so when someone understands that when your opponent understands that and they're now engaged in a grip fight once you get the grip you want you've got to keep it and they know they need to get rid of it and then that's where the grip starts to burn out i think Especially against Lauren's the Utley collar launch, which is a variation on the collar drag she's invented. I, um, I you swing him around like, three times first and yeah. then throw him to the edge of the mat. Yeah, so I'm like, like you know, I'm not better at that. That's so mean. Do you mean better as in you do it more often no, and you go further I'm around? Launching <laughs> as much. My, my what was you when you the Walter Dozer reverse tie touch? Tie touch. My takedown special is on a variation of a collar drag is to fall on my side and pull you onto mount. That's my special. I was nervous coming back though. It was a, a weird feeling. Yeah. Not nervous. And so, oh, and Kev said to me yesterday, um, "Oh, did you like? What, you know, love it." I think your relationship changed with jujitsu the longer you're in it. So, because I'm not pissed on jits anymore. Like if when you are on your white belt and you're probably a blue belt still, like I was, where you do love it. And yeah. It's a different relationship with it. I was like more relief 
my relief factor, I could still do it. My body still moved well. My instincts are still there. Um, yeah, I need to sharpen up. I need to tighten up and get fit again. But it was more relief that I could still do yeah. it. Because I want to I wanna do it, not because I, I do love it, but not in a, a lustful way. Yeah. I love it in, because it gives me that constant challenge and development. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't want to not be able to do that again. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Or be so far behind that it'd be a real struggle to put the time in to mm-hmm. get back to where I need to be. So I feel like I've lost some, but not all. And then now I can plan a rebuild. And on this, I was chatting to Professor Disa last night. Mm. So I, I'll, I'll announce now where I'm at with Jits. Cool. Because we were talking about the Barata Plata and all this kind of crazy stuff. And we said, oh, where, you said, oh, where'd you, how'd you get it? You roll off the mat. I was like, I don't roll off the mat. I go one other place and that's the back. That's it. And me and Adisa, Professor Adisa were talking last night. I'm going to really hone in on the fundamentals. I'm going to try and refine my fundamentals to the absolute most precise I can get them. Close guard mount back and just be really good at that stuff. And so I can stay in the mix of all you young spunkers who are doing all this other stuff. Spunkers. But also I think it's important. That, that's Lawrence Keith. Also I think it's important as well. As, as Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu <laughs> continues to evolve and move towards the sportive, yeah. that there's someone amongst this community who started a long, long time ago who can maintain that traditional art, gi-based, fundamentals, Hodger Gracie style. Like, that's what I really want to emulate. And so it's good for our students because you'll have that. Yeah. And you'll have him who can modernise and, you know, do all the Danaher stuff and the new stuff. And I'm, I'm quite happy to be that Mauricio Gomez figure, the old fat guy who just, sorry Mauricio, didn't mean fat. Master Mauricio. <laughs> who just sits in the corner and then comes out and shows you some, like just a, a nuance on a grip and it blows your mind. Like oh. that's what I want to be. And that's exciting. Yeah. Oh. So I'm going to go right cool. back to the drawing board oh. and be doing close guard arm bars on people. I don't look forward to that. <laughs> I wish you well. That's a really, that's, that's a really cool. And, <laughs> That's a really cool and definitive goal to have. Yeah. Do you feel relief for having defined that goal yeah. for yourself and be chasing it? Yeah, because when I went on, you asked me in the other podcast, mm. when I went away, it was like, oh, you're going to do that. Oh, you asked me, you're going to do yeah. the Europeans. I'm like, no. Yeah. I don't think that's my role anymore. I love actually the idea of Mauricio in Hodges Academy teaching GB1. Uh, they're a fundamentals program. Mm. Like, I think there's real benefit to that in giving the newer students the absolute best mm. basics. Because they always underpin all the fancy stuff. You always go back to that. Mm. When you're tired and when you're fatigued or if you're in a street fight, you ain't barat plotting people in the car park outside co-op. You are taking them down with a clinch takedown, mounting them and holding them down until the cops turn up. Mm. Mm. And so that's what I want to make sure we maintain. And I think it's a lovely mix that. Mm-hmm. Do you not feel uh, though at, at a certain point, like probably even blue belt, you'll be you'll be able to do most of the fundamental things to an untrained opponent outside Sainsbury's anyway. Yep. But for your level, do you not find it more interesting to learn the newer stuff coming in and keep that kind of freshness of jiu-jitsu? No, I feel like I need, I, I, want, I want to understand and maintain a knowledge of the concepts around the new things, but the concepts don't really change. Like the concepts of fundamentals are there. So I'll be have an awareness of it. And so maybe like an anti-leg lock game but I'm not going to engage in being a heel hook master. And the other reason for that, I was chatting to Odissa again last night, is he's seen in America, and I think we've seen here as well, and we talked about my knee ligament injury on the ocean, which I think was a hangover from an injury here in the GB3 Nogi. Yeah. 
it's putting people out of jiu-jitsu forever. Mm. They're getting the LCL ripped off and they can't come back. Mm -hmm. So at my age, at 42, I don't want to be trading heel hooks with people mm. in a competitive sense, mm -hmm. personally. Yeah. I think there's still, and here's where I'm at, man. Yes, there's all this new stuff, but there's so much more you could do with what you've already got. Mm -hmm. Like you could make, I'll never be able to do a triangle like my professor. But it's a nice little ambition to have. Mm -hmm. Like, be so good that if you get something in your clothes guard, they're just like, oh no. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's a nice, that's what I want. And there are levels to things, aren't they? For example, you said, do you not want to be keeping on top of things and um, moving with the winds of change? But um, the the black belt will have such a deeper knowledge of a position as well. So presumably you can never know too much or go too deep on a position. There's always refinements that can be made and so on. So new things can come out of old techniques, can't they? The small, the, um, small variation on the grip or whatever that will blow your mind. So there are new things to be learned about old positions. And that's, that's what I honestly see. That's kind of your role here too. Like I was saying to Disa last night, I think it's quite a nice, for our student base, it's quite a nice dynamic to have someone who's 42, who started Jiu-Jitsu 22 years ago, and is interested still in being competitive within the academy and developing his students with a really strong fundamentals base. And tr traditionally, if you want to call it that, Jiu-Jitsu. Kind of, and I would say Hodger, for me, would be the, the apex of that. Close guard, sweep, mount, strangle. We'll take the back. But then yourself, who's 15 years younger, who is really interested in what's new, I think that's a really lovely mix. And so actually, if we're both doing what we really enjoy doing, mm. every, all our students get the best of both worlds. For sure. I'm just thinking of it in like a personal development level though, in terms of like, and it's, it's an endless debate, isn't it? Of like, would you want more breadth of knowledge or do you want the depth of knowledge mm -hmm. kind of thing? And ultimately there's no right answer. I guess I'm thinking for you like, to, to improve 1% on your closed guard games, it's, that's like a lot of work. That might be like a three month kind of, yep. you know, time period of time. Whereas you could improve on, let's say like whatever you feel your weaknesses in your game in a much shorter period of time, if that makes sense. You could, but I think, yeah, you're totally right. But I would counter that and say, if I think about the closed guard game then, I'd say, well, what happens if someone does stand up? So even like, Stopping people standing up in your clothes guard is something you could really get phenomenal at. Mm. But what happens when they stood up? Where are you going to go next? Mm. So for me then, in my mind, I'm already thinking, well, your legs around them, it's Delaheva sit-up guard. So that's my next iteration. So you will branch out, mm. but I think it's never going to be, I'm never going to roll off the mount. It's just not who I am. Even if the submission's there, like, I'm really not interested in it. I personally would rather, my jiu-jitsu, and that's the expression of the art, isn't it? My expression of the art is domination in that position to a point where it breaks the will of your opponent and the submission is presented to you. Mm. That's how I conceptualize it. Because um, I do, again, talking to Odessa last night, I always used to say that I didn't want to teach anything to anyone in the gi that couldn't be done probably in no gi mm. and most definitely out in the street. Because um, I think that's just the way I've been brought up. And I've got to stay true to that because that's who I, that's my jiu-jitsu. Um, yeah, I think it's exciting. For sure. I, I think for your point of like, I agree, like I, I, you know, Mark's probably my top, my favorite pin as well. And, but there are times where you like, I feel like 
Dan had talked about there's no real perfect pin, but there's perfect pinning. Yeah. And it's the transition between your pins that makes any one pin the strongest. So like I know like if so a particular there'll be like particular time. So let's say we're do, we're doing a roll. I know that if I'm trying to get a cross face underhook and I can't get someone's using my underhook, I can't get their elbow above their headline. Let's say they lock their hands in a bear hug around me. Um, I will likely dismount and go into a Kimura kind of yes. game because I've got the underhook because I've locked their hands around me. Uh, equally, like last night we were teaching, why would I go for a bra player from mount? It's because I can't achieve an underhook. Yes. Um, which means it's dangerous for me to commit my weight forward. <clears throat> uh, or like then it was like, okay, well, I can't even get any kind of separation from elbow. So it's like, all right, I'm going to back step into their legs uh, because they're just playing such a negative game. Now that might change on a, like, like Mike's saying, if this was a no time limit sub only match, I'd probably just stay mounted and just keep, you know, because you've got the time just to wear someone down until they eventually make a mistake. Um, and I think this is your philosophy too, like ultimately um, we are trying to, you know, you want to, you know, fatigue makes cards of it all and we want to really tire someone out so they're making those mistakes. Um, but the ultimate aim is always to submit. And when you've got, Danaher also talks about, there's like two opponents in the match. One is your actual opponent, the other one's a clock. So like, if uh, if your, if your ultimate expression of jiu-jitsu is to submit, you hear like the, a lot of guys like you can win a match, but they'll be like really disappointed. Like Giancarlo at ADCC didn't submit on his, uh, one of his opponents had like, he finished with like, on the back with like a rear naked choke arms like, and he was like, really pissed off mm. because he didn't get the submission not like an amazing match and it'll mean if you don't submit but you very positionally dominant some people might see that as like oh, I didn't express mm. my jiu-jitsu fully yeah see I disagree with John Dano on that mm. because and again John to this last night we talked about this for me time in the position is king it's not about for me it's not about the submission within a five minute time frame because the fight outside might last three hours so for me, if someone's got their elbows in tight, I'm trying to figure out how can I move, how can I get them to move their elbow? If I can't move them, their elbows, what can I do which makes them move their elbows? Can I start to threaten the neck? If they don't do anything, I'll strangle you. So you have to move your, and then, oh, there's now a gap. So it's trying to build time in that position. So, and clock up hours in the mount. If we go to mount and our ultimate aim is submission all the time, we get to mount, we submit, we get off. You've now got 30 seconds in the mount. My philosophy of jiu-jitsu is work that position so you are so precise and so dominant that the person makes such a big mistake because maybe they're even scared of your mount. Like I used to be scared to death <clears throat> of Tom Harris passing my guard because if he got me on belly on you, it was the most brutal thing. And so you were shit scared of it. And that, that's kind of how I feel about it. I think if you're if you're a competitor, and you and then submissions are probably for you again that apex of what you're trying to achieve. But for me, jujitsu is it's not about competition; it's about life and about everything. And I'm trying to clock up hours in the mount, or hours on the back, or hours in close guard. So I've experienced all the possible. And this was a conversation last night. Do you drill or do you roll? Yeah, you could do both. But when you roll, if you give yourself lots of time in that position you get presented with all the diff different options that your opponent might present you and you get to come up with answers for them. But you can only do that if you spend a long time there. 
And I think that's the danger of people getting great, great positions, holding submissions really quick, submitting them, but you don't actually get time. Mm. If you just spent time there and slowed down a bit, maybe they'd have done something that you've never seen before, you know, some kind of escape principle. And then you could count that and then you've got that. And that's where like um, Hodger talks a lot about how important for his mount development specific training was where he'd just 100%. do countless hours of just mount rounds. Totally right. And that's how he, he also talks not only how good his mount top is, but how good his escapes are, which is like something that's, you know, people forget to talk about with Hodger so much. He's you know, not been submitted in competition since like blue belt like, when he was 16 or something. Well, that's something else again, going back to fundamentals that I want to work on myself is that so last night I got caught a couple of times. Like, I don't want to be submitted. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can get that game where you're so secure and you're good at escapes and bad positions, you're really good at defending. Again, that's a, a fundamental of jiu-jitsu, right? To be safe. And we were talking about, on the specific training, we were talking about um, upcoming changes to the schedule and GB3 live training, which we want to bring in at some point. We won't talk about this in detail yet because we're going to announce it, but... Cool. That GB3 live training for me isn't an hour of just free rolling. It's, there's a bit more structure to it where we're pushing those blue belts to spend time in those positions and we're challenging them with specific scenarios like we do in comp team. Mm-hmm. We might even mix comp team and the GB3 live training in the same session to create a more specific adaptation to their development rather than just saying, pick a partner and run for six minutes. Because mm-hmm. you'll naturally gravitate towards either your A game or you know your B game if your opponent's dominant. And we want to say, no, two minutes, you're down two points. We want to try and get two points back or whatever, mm-hmm. like you do so on in comp team. So I think that's exciting for our experienced students because they're going to get more of that from us. I think that's a great idea. And from recent experience, um, Laura and I have been focusing on Delaheva, for example, and our game in that regard has improved. And it's kind of a simple and obvious point, but you will only get better at something if you practice it. And so specific training may reveal that nobody knows how to escape the crucifix hold or nobody knows how to escape the commode. Well, the only antidote to that is spend more time in the position. Um, and it's an, it's an uncomfortable confrontation with your ego to realize a weakness. And I think it's human to want to turn away from it and bury your head in the sand and say, well, I'm never gonna be putting the crucifix ever again. So I'm, you know, don't need to worry about it. But if you want to improve, you have to focus on your weaknesses to, to raise your game up. So I think the specific training point is is great. And I think there is a trend, particularly with the blue belts at the moment, you know, saying, can I start in bottom mount? I'm going to practice my escapes and so on. So I think there is that sort of vibe going around. But specific training, I think it's the one, isn't it? To sum it up, I think, as Jordan Peterson talks about, you've got to have an aim. You've got to know what you're aiming for. If you just come in, to do so as I've done for many years and therefore have had a stagnation in my development mm. where you're just doing jiu-jitsu for the sake of it, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you want to develop and get better, you must have an aim because you must be working on it. And you've got to know what that aim is. You've got to pick it and then you've got to give it time. Um, and I think a minimum of three months probably commitment to some positional development would be ideal. That was going to be my question. That was going to be his question. And uh, Coach T had touched on it as well. You know, what's better, a breadth, wide breadth, you know, um, jack of all trades, master of none, or a specific depth in one position, 
Um, I think it changes depending on your experience level. Because as a white belt, you don't want to be just focused on one position. You need to experience mm. all aspects of jiu-jitsu and have just a little bit. Mm. But as you start to become more experienced, I think the blue belt is the belt. And that's why a lot of the time spent at blue belt, it should be trying to figure out what you enjoy doing, where your big holes are and yeah. what you want to focus on. Um, I think at the, the highest level of competition, the best guys are usually a jack of all trades, a master of about two or three. Yeah. And uh, so they know everything that's kind of, potentially that's going to go wrong for them. Yeah. But they're so good at like two or three positions yeah. that no one else in the world is like going to gonna stop them if they can get to those two or three yeah. positions. Like if I get you in this submission, I know it's game over type deal. Almost if like, for a lot of them, it's if I can get, uh, you know, this kind of grip or yeah. it's like, or if I can get this, type of position yeah. uh, then it's then a sequence of chain of events kind of start to happen where like the momentum is so far in their favour that it's like a, a whirlpool for the other person yeah. to try to get out of look at Marcel Garcia if he gets a two on one grip on one arm it's over because his arm dragging into the back or his butterfly guard into X guard sweep like that's just it so if he gets the two on one that's what happens you're now so far behind it comes back to the, the hand thing and the grips like at that level, the, if he gets those grips, you've, you've lost. Mm. You have literally lost, unless you, because you can't break him either. You can't break a two on one. You've, he's got two arms on one. Mm. So man, imagine that, like some dude gets two grips and you know it's over. That's pretty phenomenal, man. Mm. I just run away. You can't. You can't. Yeah, it's all the rest. Tickling with your end. Just up immediately. Yeah. And and that's that's remarkable, isn't it? And I was explaining this to someone. Might have been. It was pretty recently. It could have been in Antigua. Like the again the gaps of like ability. Do you know what I mean like if you can do. If he's he's that good, he does that to every competitor he pretty much has ever competed against. Like even like Victor, you know, he beat him in ADCC. Just beat everyone. One of the best of all time. That level's so high. Mm. It makes you know your recreational black belt like me just look like he's never even done jiu-jitsu before. And that's great. And then compare that to your man on the street. Mm. It's just it's ridiculous. Paul Marcel's got their cancer at the moment, doesn't he? Has he? Yeah, yeah. got oh, a right. throat cancer, I think. Wow, didn't know that. Might not be right on the throat cancer, but it definitely has cancer. Oh. Wish him well, hope he recovers. Mm. Yeah, legend. That'd be a good guest on the podcast one day. Marcel. You can hook us up eventually. I'll tell you, it'd be really good, Paul Schreiner. Yeah. He was his head instructor in uh, New York, who I, I spent time with. He, in my opinion, one of the best teachers I've ever seen. Unbelievable. And the way he, he, he taught the fundamentals program in Marcelo's. Marcelo handpicked him from Brazil and brought him over to America to do phenomenal. He's got quite a few uh, instructional ones out, doesn't he? Yeah, really good. I've got them all. I don't yeah. buy instructions often, but if Paul Schreiner brings one out, I buy it. Connection reactions topics. Isn't it? Nice. All right, Lazo, what is your secret topic? I don't really have one. Uh, it's a lie, is it? <laughs> right, I've got one. Well, Lauren thinks of one. Well, my question is, uh, and it's probably, I don't know if you've asked this before, but how soft frame it? Well, you could either. What do you hate or dislike the most about jujitsu? Because mm. we always talk positively about mm. it, but you know, with anything in life, um, there's there's good and bad. I'll tell you mine. Yeah. Go on then. 
it's the it's the impact it has on my sleep so mm. training late on that's a very good one it cru- crushes my sleep my ability to get good sleep that night yeah. and i guess a lot of people will be the same you know your central nervous system is just absolutely spiked yeah and i find that as a detrimental impact on then what i can do the next day yeah feel quite broken tired mm. Even the cleaner said today, said, oh, you look tired. I was like, yeah, I rolled last Cheers, night. Cheers, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cheers, Alberto. Um, he's got a point. So, yeah. So, that that for me is the one thing. And I think if if I could just train at lunchtime classes yeah. and then deregulate all day, mm. that's probably would be better for me. Do you get it with classes, attending classes, which I appreciate you, you don't do that often, or, or even teaching, or do you only get it with rolling? No, it's only with rolling. Yeah, okay, that's the same as me. Yes, that is a very good one that I would have overlooked, but that might... I'll go with something different simply to mix it up. I think what I love and hate about... No, I didn't say love. Oh, did you not just hate? I just hate. What do you I hate dislike. the most or dislike the most? Do we know what everyone loves it? But... Okay. What do I dislike the most about it? That's really difficult. Ooh. I've got one. So, um, I don't know why there's this one popped into mind. I hate... When people um, when people take away more meaning from the mat than they really should, so it's like the thing that were like, uh, oh, I tapped that person out in the training room. It's like, yeah. did you really like tap, like? Does that even mm. matter? Because yeah. like that's the training room. I I remember like when we were speaking to Jacob from GB Birmingham, like him saying, the only way you'll ever know if you've like tapped someone out or did anything actually to them is if you were in a competition mm. with a referee. And like people are putting more weight to things that happen in the train room than than they should frustrates me or like people trying to brag about something they've did in the training room that like well go do it in competition and i'll be impressed but like otherwise that person like i might be rolling with you tom yeah. and uh, i go all oh, right sweet a kimura tom like tom might have been trying to practice his kimura escapes in the first place or something like giving me the position i don't know but people um uh, add a lot of weight to, or like, they'll try it. Same for the specific training, they'll be like, right, I'm going to win every round of specific training. It's like, you've missed the entire point, really. I think, my, just thinking about it, mine is an offshoot of that, which is you can be on the mat having a flow with a, a group of people in succession, and then you may come, a, come across an opponent who, for whatever reason, is just out for the, for the kill, and mm. maybe will go so far as intentionally intentionally disregarding your safety Mm -hmm. simply in order to advance their position sometimes not even meaningfully um and i think that's about losing awareness and you know not looking after your opponent but um the interruption to the flow of the energy of the evening is so stark and it's such a negative feeling Mm. that i would actually go as far Mm. as to say it's toxic Mm. um and i think that that always leaves such a a bitter taste because it removes the I mean it's obviously a combat sport and you're out to you know position mm-hmm. all the rest of it but you can do it in a way which is fun and playful mm-hmm. and for me that removes that essential part of jiu-jitsu I think that is I, what I, I might say this though everyone does that oh, everyone does that as a white belt you've done it yeah you may have done it. Yeah, but it's when people continue it, I think, through the belts when maybe they should know better. Well, I mean, if that's happening, then you should go to tell me because that's culturally not good. But 
I think everyone does that. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Not not intentionally in the main. Yeah. Some people do. They get weirded out pretty quick mm-hmm. and they just are disliked by the community. Mm-hmm. Um, but but people do that, just not aware of it. They're not aware of the personal impact. You see these people at work as well, the way that they interact with people. They've got no sense of how they're landing on people. Yeah. And that happens, again, it's that kind of the Matt's a mirror thing. You know, you see that very clearly in people. Yeah. Maybe there is an education thing, an experience thing. I think it's also well. an acceptance that everyone's going to probably do it. Yeah, okay. You know what I mean? You, it's not to say that it doesn't feel toxic and it, it absolutely is horrible when it happens to you because mm. it's not what you want it to be like. Mm. But the, we have short memories in Jiu-Jitsu as well and we forget, well, well I know I yeah, do. Good point. Actually, a year ago, as a blue belt, that's what you were like. Mm. And you'll know because I would have had a word with you at some point about it. Or just five minutes of neon belly. Or five minutes of neon belly. That's a learner. <laughs> That's a non-verbal education. But, you know, I've, I've spoken to a lot of our students at, in, at some point in time about their, the way that they interact with others in a role. Um, it's, it's exactly that. Yeah. Because I know what that's like for people to be on the receiving end of that. I think, I think on the whole, I think we could all be better at, like, communicating as well. Because, like, I was talking to... Um, Joe gone and he was sort of saying that's one thing he's really like unsure of now he started is like how is he rolling how does he roll with smaller opponents bigger opponents yeah. and like even for me I think you can go away and think oh that person really pisses me off when they do that oh, da, 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 da. but I, th- but then I'm thinking well I've never actually said that to them mm. so is that fair on them because if they if I did say that to them are they going to be like oh shit I didn't know that I'm really sorry so I think I think everyone could communicate better and be like, you know, was that okay? Mm. Or how did that feel? Or you, it's on you to be the one. I think you said this to me, didn't you? When I had a bit of a wobble, you were like, it's kind of on me to be like, that's not okay. Or you've made me feel this way. Or but then I think sometimes that's hard to do in that. Really I think we all. It's one of the first things at. I would ask if someone says to me or us, oh, so-and-so did this. I'd be like, did you tell them? Mm. No. Well, how are they ever going to know? Yeah. It's an education thing. Um, I think for me, I struggle with it because, and it's, it's this is my own weird thing, is I don't like making people feel uncomfortable. So I would rather suffer, even though someone's pissed me off, than make them feel awkward and uncomfortable. I think there's a way to do it. And I think you could do it privately, you know, off the mm. mat and just say, look, that what you did there actually made me feel like this. I know you didn't mm. mean it, but I just want to let you know. It will affect them though negatively and because then, it's a tactile thing. And then you thing. don't want them to next time just be like, <laughs> and also I think there's a real <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah, but there's a real danger as well here, and I've seen this a lot. It's where and it, it's the it's the it's the blue belt thing, where a white belt will be getting quote unquote the better of you, and you will say whoa 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. just if you if you're doing that there you might want to do that and you start to teach as a way to just soften it mm. or you say oh can you just blow up bro i'm just chilling i'm rolling bro can you just get yeah. actually that's your ego because you can't handle it mm-hmm. so i think you've got to be really honest with yourself like yeah. was that person actually 
intentionally or yeah. did it actually bother me or is it just my ego that's affected because mm-hmm. they're actually mm-hmm. have dominated me in this role and it, before you have that word with them mm-hmm. you've got to be really honest with yourself and ask yourself that question mm-hmm. i found recently with for example white belts who are having their first time rolling um uh, i would say as we're setting up our say listen i'll go as hard as you'd like to go um and if you want to take it steady and have fun that's cool and if not you know We'll, we'll deal with it. And I found that they've been grateful for that in a way that it's okay for them to frame the role and set the pace. And it means that they enjoy it more and they learn it. And that seems to have increased the positive impact of that live role. So I think the education piece is important and the communication mm. is now, I think that's really mm-hmm. important. One way to do that non-verbally, right? And that is, this goes back to kind of T's point a little bit about you know, making too much of what happens in training. Yeah. but. The best way you can do that without saying anything is give them a bad position and put yourself in a bad position to start with. Yes. If you start from behind, it's like starting a 400 meter race, 100 yards back. So if you give someone side control to start with, you, you're non-verbally saying to them, I'm giving you the advantage. Mm-hmm. Let's see how it goes. And then, you know, at that point, you're kind of handicapping yourself, right? Yeah. And you then have to work harder to get out of that position to sweep and get on top or whatever or reverse. Um, or you could just have in mind that if someone is going really hard, you don't need to match them. You could just say, well, this is an opportunity for me to practice taking this pressure and to mm-hmm. defend. And that's another way to do it. Mm-hmm. Because if you've not got the ego, like T was saying that, oh, that person's, that one strike white belt's mounted me. Oh yeah. my God, I'm dreadful at jujitsu. If in your mind it is, I don't mind whatever they do, because I'm focused on me mm-hmm. and not getting submitted or staying tight or whatever it is, or trying mm-hmm. to escape. It reframes everything, and you mm-hmm. can have a positive from every single situation. But again, often it's inside yeah. us that's the problem. Uh-huh. It's not necessarily always someone else. Yeah. Right, um, Tom. I believe you have a meeting in a few minutes. Um, Unfortunately, I don't have to. Get right. So. <laughs> 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 you have a meeting also, do you? That it's been pushed back actually. Okay. I've got a meeting with the ice bath. I need to go and okay. Cool off. Well, would, are we going to continue this podcast? Without Tom, or should we just call it? Should we put a pin in it? I'm good for a little bit more. Okay. okay. In that case, I will exit. You take your socks elsewhere. I will. <laughs> do. You'll still you'll hear them around the corner. That that loud. <laughs> I'm going to put this down. <laughs> Thanks everyone. Thanks Tom. Thanks, See you bro. later. Bye, Tom. See you, mate. Have you got a topic you, you want to leave? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we won't know what to say now. Yeah, like, mm. Anyway. I've got, I've got, so, I've got yours. See you, mate. Has anyone else got a topic? No, I don't. No, that was a question, really, because yeah. I think, it's, I think it's, it's healthy for us to talk about and accept the fact that whilst everyone loves jiu-jitsu, for everything it brings to your life, and we don't need to, to say what those things are because everyone knows who does it, there are going to be times when you don't like it mm. for whatever reason. And it's, it's, it's understanding what those times are and being okay with it. Mm. I, I was thinking about this a while back. Like, what is the actual value proposition for jiu-jitsu? Because, you, like, if we're trying to evaluate, like, everything it gives you and everything it takes. So, obviously, it takes your monthly membership fee on, like, the very surface kind of thing. So, it's going to take time away from doing other things. Ultimately, at some point, you'll probably get some kind of injury or some kind of thing, or you're going to be sore, you're going to be bruised. Um, so it's taking away kind of some aspects of your health. Health, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and there'll be a list of 10 other things we could probably think of if we'd given enough time, um, compared to what are all the values we get from it. And 
ultimately, I think if you, if we were to list all those values, which we won't, because we all kind of know them and could get loads. If you want those values, at the same time, you have to almost expect or um, equally appreciate the balance to the other side of the coin, where it's like, I can't, I can't take all these good things and not expect that I'm going to also scoop in some of the, the yeah. negative. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't get too frustrated when you're having those times of the negative when I'm, oh, I'm really sore, I'm really tired, I'm missing time with the family, or um, I wish jujitsu wasn't expensive or something like that. Like, those are all the things that are the same. It's the same thing as the getting the good stuff. It's just the other side of the coin. Yeah, it's perspective too. Like that's your greatest superpower, isn't it? Perspective. Yeah. So it's it's looking at those negatives, then accepting them, thinking about them, and saying, okay, eighty nine pound a month seems like a lot of money, but it's a good investment in me and my health. Mm-hmm. Okay, I feel a bit sore in my hands today from jujitsu. That's not great because I can't write. However, it's strengthening my tendons and making me stronger and yeah. giving me more longevity. Mm. Oh, this is taking me away from my family three nights a week, but I'm doing something for me that's healthy. Good, you're a better person. I'm a better person when I go back. I burnt off my energy. I'm more calm, whatever it is. So I think it's worthwhile in your jiu-jitsu journey just having a reflection on what you love about it, but then also what are the things that grate on you a little bit. And if if something crops up that you're unsure on how to deal with it and you can't create some perspective on it, then you can come speak to us about it. And if there's something that's really bothering you, I want you to come talk to us because ultimately that's not going to go away. It's just going to keep mm. eating away and that'll get bigger than the positives one day. Mm-hmm. And then it's, we're talking about kind of stuff in your past, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to come out mm-hmm. and then it's, you're going to lose it on the map or you're going to not come into training or you're going to come up with some excuse and you're going to leave. Mm-hmm. And we all know that leaving is the absolute worst thing you can do in jiu-jitsu because mm-hmm. as I found, even with five months off, it's hard to come back, no matter how long you've been doing it. Mm-hmm. I, I like that Jocko thing where he just, whatever like bad thing happens or perceived bad thing happens, he's just like good. Like, yeah. And then he just reframes it of like, okay, I got injured, and now I'm gonna be out for six months. Good, time to work on your flexibility or time to work yeah. on you know, your breath work or time to work on, on some strength or something or like get your head in the books, you know, like learn about something else for a while. You can you can come back you know, stronger from negative things that might happen. 100%, 100%. Did you have something, Loz? I think we've already touched on Tom's topics, to be fair. It was on about... Um... We could encourage people to send in some things yeah, of their own. Yeah. Like, I think that's to be a nice thing to do. If you've got something that you want to learn about or hear our take on or something you've been wanting to ask myself or T personally, but you've perhaps not even maybe you don't feel comfortable speaking to us face to face because you want for whatever reason you can email us in info at and just send us in some questions yeah and we'll uh we'll we used to it. do it where we put like before we do a podcast we'd stick a uh instagram story up just being like any questions you want to yeah let's do that. do that mm-hmm. i think there's real value to doing this but i want to make sure that we are giving the listeners what they want from it so if we're not on point with it or you feel like it's got off track or we could do more in other areas i think you should tell us you know th- this we do this, don't we? Because we know it adds value. It adds value to our membership. Um, so, and it's it's value to you guys. So, make sure you get in from it what you want. If you want to be a guest on the podcast, let us know. Come on, mm-hmm. in a topic yourself. You probably do with getting a, another some of the coaches. There's a few new coaches. Yeah, 
And, uh, I know the parents always like to hear from the new coaches, see who's teaching their kids mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So we get that sorted. Shall we, uh, on that coaches topic then, we are looking for more assistant coaches for the kids' classes. Yeah. So if you are someone who wants to give back to the community through jiu-jitsu, wants to reduce your membership cost, um, wants to learn more about jiu-jitsu from a base level, it's that kind of teach once, learn twice mentality. And Lauren will be able to attest to this. It does help your jiu-jitsu and just helps your well-being by, by helping out. Mm-hmm. Let us know. You need to be able to commit to two classes a week. That's two 45 to one hour slots a week. Can be on the same night, can be on separate nights. You'll need to pass a DBS check, which we will pay for. Um, and if you want to do that, then you should get in touch and we will we will gladly speak to you about it. The class is so busy now, we're going to need to backfill some assistant coaches. Uh-huh. Amazing. Should we call it time then? then? Uh-huh. Yes. Awesome. It's about 45 minutes. That's good. All right. Hope everyone's enjoyed the show. Until next week. Awesome.